I'm Jessie Aredia, and you're listening to Soul Care for the New Mom, a podcast designed with new moms in mind, where we talk about what it looks like to thrive in motherhood as the free, confident, joy-filled women God has called us to be. For today's episode, I am going to be talking about what it looks like to be empowered, meaning walk with confidence, strength, even creativity during a time of crisis or grief. Now, I know that a lot of us are grieving right now. Our world has changed basically overnight because of the coronavirus. We've lost normalcy. We've lost physical connection to the outside world. A lot of us have lost our everyday routines that we loved and thrived off of. We've lost the ability to go to church. We've lost plans. We've lost trips. Our kids have lost school and playdates and extracurricular activities. Some have lost jobs. Some have lost the ability to be with family and loved ones. Some of us have lost the only sources of comfort that we have in our lives. And then there are also those who have lost their physical health or even lost their lives from this virus. There are those who are sitting in an ICU right now alone. And there are also those who are our heroes on the front lines, our doctors and nurses who are losing their protection from the virus because there aren't enough masks and are losing their physical touch with their family because they have to self-quarantine when they're not on the clock. This is a really heavy time. And I know that a majority of you who are listening today are feeling that. You're feeling trapped at home or maybe a little more powerless than usual. Maybe your anxiety has spiked or you're starting to spiral into a bit of depression. And I want to talk about all of that. I want to empower you ladies with the truths and the wisdom that I think we all as moms most need to hear right now as we're navigating this time of crisis. But before we talk about the effects that the coronavirus has had on each of us and how we can personally cope through this time, I want to back up a little bit to share an event that happened in my life even before this crisis really hit the U.S., Just a couple of days before the school closures, before the toilet paper shortages and the social distancing, before all of that, I got a positive pregnancy test and I felt like my world was crumbling around me. This was a very unexpected, unplanned, and I'll even say unwanted pregnancy. We did not at all intend to get pregnant this year. In fact, Grant, my husband, and I We're pretty confident that we were done having kids biologically and we wanted to focus on fostering and eventually adoption. It was not at all in our plans to bring another child into this world. And even just the thought of being pregnant, and again, this was before all of the coronavirus stuff hit, so I didn't even know how crazy things were about to get. Even just the thought of being pregnant felt terrifying to me. I loved the season of life we were in as a family. I love what stages our girls are in. Tessa is three. Jamie is almost two. I love that they love going to preschool a few mornings a week and that I get to spend 20 hours working part-time each week as a life and empowerment coach for moms. I love that everyone's sleeping through the night. There's no breastfeeding, bottle feeding, no sleep training. I have a good relationship with my hormones and with my body again. There's no more crazy postpartum rage, no more super low libido. We're just in a really 
good place. We were in a really good groove. And so on that morning, as I'm looking at this positive pregnancy test, it felt like a death sentence to this life that we had worked so hard to build. And I know that that might sound a little extreme, but but I really did feel like my world was just crumbling around me. I immediately imagined myself gaining back every single one of those 50 pounds that I've lost this past year. I pictured my business failing. I thought about how much tighter money would now be. I felt like we were pretty much saying goodbye to fostering, considering that after we have this baby, we won't even have enough room in our house to take in a placement. Our fostering journey came to an end before it even began. And then I also remembered how physically painful my last pregnancy was with having pups, which is basically just these awful rashes that covered my body and kept me up night after night. I remember the shooting pain that I would have in my lower back and in my crotch every time I rolled over in bed that would literally make me cry out in the middle of the night in pain. The moment I first saw the pregnancy test turn positive, I called Grant as he was driving home from work and I just, I remember that I would just sobbed over the phone over and over again. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And to be honest, until about a week ago, this is where I've been. I have been scared out of my mind. I've been grieving for all that's changed, but not just because of the virus, but because of these reasons that nobody knew. I've been wrestling with God, not wanting to pray, or if I didn't want to pray, it was just to say that I'm angry and I'm scared and I don't know what to do. These past few weeks have consisted of multiple emotional meltdowns in a way that's borderline embarrassing for a life coach who specializes in emotional health and wellness. And I also saw a really dark side to me that I haven't seen in a long time. I felt this depression just lurking robbing me of any desire to show up for my kids or show up in my business or show up in my community every time I posted on social media I felt like I was wearing a mask because on the one hand I still need to build my business I still need to communicate the importance and the power of coaching I still need to reach women who are struggling or are suffering but on the other hand I thought that that meant that I had to hide my suffering that I had to present myself as stronger than I actually felt and more confident than I actually was. Now, ultimately, I am thankful that I still showed up because I know that my clients needed it. I know that my Facebook community needed it. And clearly, with all that's been going on, I am not the only one dealing with a crisis or with some type of grief at the moment. But all while pushing myself to show up for others, I have felt so alone and have walked through the hardest few weeks I've had in a long time. I kept that positive pregnancy test on our bathroom counter. It's actually still there even today, which I know might be weird, but I kept it on the bathroom counter because I wanted to force myself to look at it every morning when I woke up and every night before I went to bed because I knew that scared Jesse wants to pretend that this isn't happening. Scared Jesse wants to check out. Scared Jesse wants to stuff all of this down until the things I'm feeling might even turn into real depression or serious apathy. And the smarter, thankfully healthier Jesse knows that none of those things would help and that I do have to keep facing this. I have to keep processing. I have to keep moving through the different stages of grief so that I can eventually, hopefully, come to a point of total acceptance. Last week, I went to the doctor for my first sonogram and it felt both heavy 
and also a bit relieving. It felt heavy because Grant was not allowed to come with me due to new policies that haven't been put in place since the virus. He had never missed a single sonogram or ultrasound before, but he couldn't be there with me for this one, which is actually the one where I felt like I most needed him. And this appointment also felt heavy because this was the first time I was going to meet this new baby and I still didn't want to. I still was not happy that this was happening. But thankfully, as you know, I walked out of the office holding that sonogram photo, a small bit of calm did finally come over me because I knew that despite how I felt right then, that I would definitely end up loving this baby just as much as my other two babies and that I would get through this pregnancy and the next postpartum season in the same way, if not way better than I did my other two. I went home that day after the appointment and video chatted with a friend and I just said to her, I kind of feel like I want to announce. I know it's still so early and I know that everyone's still so worried about the virus, but I just feel like I need to put it out there into the world because I think holding it inside is what's keeping me from really processing it and moving forward. And my friend just said, yeah, yeah, do it. That's a great idea. Why not? And talking to her, it just, it felt really good to feel like I have that permission from her, even though I didn't need it. I just, I just needed to be affirmed in that way. So by the time you're listening to this episode, I have already announced that we are expecting baby number three. And I'm sure that it's kind of odd. I am sharing so much about what I'm feeling and experiencing right now. But as you can probably also tell, I'm not too worried about what the right protocol is for this because I almost feel like the coronavirus has given me permission to break protocol. We collectively, as a nation, as you know, as on on a global scale, we are navigating a time of crisis together and we're being open and honest about grief. And it just, it feels like the right thing. This is the time to take off the masks. This is the time to publicly and collectively mourn and pray and show up for one another. This is the time to be real and to stop pretending. So this is what I'm doing today. Here I am bearing it all to you guys while I'm still working my way through my grief. And for the rest of this episode, I'm going to be talking about what it looks like to face a time of crisis and grief, such as what we're facing now, while also moving forward toward acceptance. What it means for each of us to face heavy, scary things with power and with peace and confidence. And just so we're clear, this episode is just as much for me as it is for you because I don't feel super empowered all of the time these days, especially when I am just so tired and can barely keep my eyes open. But If there is anything I've learned, it's that there is still so much opportunity to rise above the challenges. We do not have to be victims in this time of crisis. We still have the power to work with what we've been given to build and create something good and beautiful, something that actually brings out the best in us and enables us to thrive and fulfill our purpose. I believe that every single one of you listening today still has a say in what you do with this crazy hand we've been given. And that doesn't mean that you can control everything or that you can have all the answers and not ever struggle ever again. But what it means is that you have the opportunity to stand on the promises of God and to receive the things that he is offering, like his joy and peace and confidence 
So let's talk about what it looks like to face the coronavirus, to face this pandemic and this time of financial uncertainty and social distancing, to face all of it as someone who's fully empowered in Christ, starting with remembering the fact that life was never certain or in our control to begin with. The moment I heard our girls' preschool was closing for two weeks, which at this point is now more like a month and a half, I felt panic. Like, I immediately started thinking about all the ways this would affect me and inconvenience me. And I had to start rearranging meetings. I had to drop quite a bit of my work hours, which worried me a lot. On top of that, church was now closed, libraries were closed, even parks were closed. And I felt even more trapped and afraid. I used to enjoy being a full-time stay-at-home mom, but that was before I had built a business. That was before I even knew how good it felt to have a break, before I had gotten used to this way better routine and this groove of life and saw how awesome it was to have my girls enrolled in school and making friends. I was freaking out about the school closures and about all of the social distancing before our day one of quarantine even began because I had forgotten this one important thing. Those systems and those routines and rhythms that I had gotten so comfortable with and that helped me thrive, yet I had to create those things. I had to make them happen during a different previous time of craziness and uncertainty. Life has never been 100% predictable. So what makes this pandemic so different, really? What is stopping me from adjusting and coping and creating new systems and new rhythms and new routines? If I once made the empowered choice for myself to enroll my girls in preschool and set office hours for myself to work with my clients and grow my business, what is keeping me from doing the same even now? I feel like this is something that a lot of us need to be pondering for a second here because I know how easy it is for our fear and anxiety to make us forget simple facts, like the fact that all of the things we enjoy and hold dear about our everyday lives, we once didn't have those things. The playdates and the library story times that you relied on for your social interaction each week, there was a time when you didn't have that. But then you realized that there was a need in your life and you made the decision to go do those things. And the same applies for the classes at the gym that you use to decompress and take care of your body. You didn't always have those classes. You made the decision one day that you wanted to get more fit. You wanted to prioritize your physical wellness. So you found a way to make that happen. The job that you had in that actual office, the mom's night outs, the Bible studies, your therapy sessions, you had to once go out and find those things and make them happen. Even your morning rituals and routines that you are so fond of and maybe feel like you are beginning to lose, you had to create and choose those things for yourself. Because life has never been perfect. It's never been handed to us on a silver platter just the way we want it. It's never gone according to plan 100% of the time. Things happen. Circumstances change. We get hit with the unexpected, like postpartum depression, job transfers, illnesses, loss of friendships, whatever you had going for you before the coronavirus hit was the lemonade that you decided to make out of some of the great and not so great lemons that were handed to you. I really do believe that the Lord has led each of us in some important way. And yet right now we may be questioning whether he'll do it again. Will he take care of us? Will he help us find what works? Will he lead us back to a place of peace and thriving? And we're also questioning ourselves. 
We're questioning our ability to cope and adapt when really a lot of things that we have done with our lives has been us coping and adapting. Now, I know that there are some things we simply can't remedy the way that we want to. I'll be honest and admit that the idea of streaming church online is super bumming me out these days. That does not feel like church to me, even though I know that this is how things have to be for a little while. So what do I have to do? I have to figure out how important church really is to me and decide how I'm going to make the most of these lemons, if if I so dare, because there's always the option of staying sad and doing nothing. I'm also still bummed that the girls' preschool will be closed for at least another month, but I've already um, got a family member to come a couple mornings a week to watch the girls so that I can keep working. And I know it won't be the same, but it's still something. If making that decision for myself helps me feel just a little bit more empowered, I feel like that's a good decision to make because as I'm sitting here in my house in the middle of this pandemic, newly pregnant with this completely unexpected baby, there aren't a lot of things that feel in my control right now. But the way I respond to the uncertainty, the things that I still choose to cultivate, new routines, new habits, new decisions, these are still in my control. And the same is true for you. If you are feeling stuck right now, and struggling to adjust to this new way of life that's suddenly been thrust upon us, I want to remind you that you already have everything you need right now in this very moment to make adjustments and take steps forward. But I also want to take a second to clarify that your grief is still so valid. It is so valid. This is a heavy time. And your grief may be keeping you from seeing a way forward. And I understand that because that's where I've been. That's what I've recently dealt with for myself. Just feeling the sudden loss of motivation and confidence and feeling like my life is over even though it's still happening. But what I do want to encourage you with is the reminder that there is a path to acceptance. We all know that there are five stages of grief. And maybe it doesn't look so clear cut for those of us who are grieving during this time. But I do wonder how many of us are right in the middle of that fourth stage, depression. We're right in the middle of the depression, feeling helpless and hopeless. Maybe you don't even recognize that that is where you are right now because... We have so many different methods we now have to escape it. Social media, Netflix, overeating, overspending. But the fact is, before we get to a point of acceptance, there is usually a stage of depression that many of us have to go through. And that may be where you are at this very moment. The the other week, my husband Grant commented that he hasn't seen me behave the way that I've been behaving in years. Because what he's been witnessing is scared, depressed, discouraged Jesse trying to escape from what is happening. I wasn't having my time in the word consistently, and he knew it. I was spending a lot more time watching TV than I usually do, like a lot. And I also wasn't having honest conversations about my emotions and my thoughts, which he caught on to really quickly because I'm an Enneagram 4 who's super extroverted, which means he's used to me wanting to have lots of honest, heavy conversations. He realized pretty quickly that something was different about me and he recognized my behavior as being the same behavior that I exhibited just a couple years ago when I first became a mom and was overwhelmed and becoming depressed from being alone with my child and with my thoughts every day. And I'm wondering if maybe some of you who are listening today are in that exact same place because there's no school There's no more going to the mall or to the library. For some of us, there's no more work to give us a sense of purpose or keep us busy. There are no more playgrounds, no more play dates. So what are we doing all day? We're staying at home alone with our thoughts, 
and with our children. And this is the time when we are coming face to face with some of those unhealthy coping methods like checking out and lashing out and overindulging. This is when the depression and the apathy and anxiety really hit. But may I also add that this is when we have what could possibly be the biggest, most obvious opportunity to really prioritize our mental and emotional health. Because if you can use this uncomfortable, even painful time to face your anxiety and depression head on, how much more will you be able to thrive once we get back to our old normal? Or better yet, how much more will you you be able to thrive once you find what is actually a much healthier new normal? Right now, the thought of taking care of yourself emotionally might feel so overwhelming because your first priority, maybe your only priority, is just keeping the kids alive and keeping your sanity intact. And I get that. But I also want to be that voice of reason for you that you might not have in your life these days. And I want to remind you that the first few steps are probably the hardest. They'll require motivation that you might feel like you don't have. They'll require faith and belief that for you might be lacking, But once you take those first steps, once you prove that you're not stuck, once you find that evidence that there can be something better than what you're currently experiencing, that you do have what it takes to make changes in your life, I really do believe that the rest will start to come so much more naturally. My best suggestion for you right now, if you are in this place of hopelessness or depression or apathy, is to practice using more of your personal agency. Your personal agency, one small choice at a time, starting with your self-care routine. Now, I know that self-care might seem so trivial to you right now, or even straight up impossible, depending on the season of life you're in or your circumstances that you're facing right now. But the truth is that self-care is one of the biggest keys to breaking free from the lies about what you're capable of and how much better life can be. I want to challenge you to sit down and really think through what self-care might look like for you during this time and to look at it from a few different aspects like what does physical self-care mean for you or mental, emotional self-care, relational self-care, spiritual self-care. I want you to ask yourself things like what has helped fill my soul in the past? What has helped me feel physically healthier or emotionally healthier? What has improved my relationships? What's made me feel confident? What has kept me rooted in truth and connected to God? When do I most feel a sense of purpose? Ask yourself these things and then jot down everything that comes to mind. And once you have that list, I want you to sit down with your planner or your calendar and also with either a reminder app or an alarm app pulled up on your phone because you need to start putting a real system in place for making more of these things happen. Now for me, morning time is usually my best self-care time. It's when I get a chance to spend time in worship and read the word and journal and set my intentions for the day. It's a time that takes place before my kids even wake up because I want to be able to feel truly alone and undisturbed. But I'll be honest, first trimester has not been kind to my body. I am not sleeping the best. I have very low energy in the morning. And so every morning when I wake up, I'm either snoozing my alarm or I'm just turning it off altogether and going right back to sleep. And that means that I'm not waking up or early before the kids. I'm waking up now right when the kids are waking up. And that undisturbed self-care time that I used to have is not happening. Now I'm having to implement my self-care in a different way. I'm having my time with the Lord at night. 
which is weird. It's not at all what I'm used to. I'm also taking way more naps, which is exactly what my body needs these days. I'm spending less time journaling and more time just reaching out to people because that's what's helping me feel less isolated and overwhelmed these days. Self-care for me today looks different than it did for me three weeks ago. But that's the beauty of routines and rituals. They help us thrive in certain seasons of our life, but then we also have permission to tweak them and change them. Now, the second way you can practice using your personal agency one small choice at a time is to pay attention to your thoughts on a daily basis and to really work on only keeping the thoughts that are serving you. While I was in that slump, after first finding out we were pregnant and then all of the coronavirus stuff happening, I took a break from speaking declarations over myself and I deeply regret it. I was not on top of my thought life. I was letting my anxious thoughts run rampant and as a result, my anxiety drained me of a lot of my motivation and my creativity and inspiration. Instead of looking at these circumstances through the lens of empowerment, I was looking at them through the lens of a victim, which meant I was spending more time catastrophizing with worst case scenarios than actually making plans and getting creative with solutions. I was spending more time checked out in front of the TV than actually showing up for my life or for my business or for my kids. I was also spending more time hiding and isolating than reaching out for help, reaching out to my community, which is definitely not healthy for me right now during this time of quarantine. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about why I believe in the power of speaking declarations or how exactly to go about making them for yourself because I do dive into this topic in other episodes like the one called Five Daily Practices for the Empowered Mom from just a couple months ago. But what I will say is that the best thing that anybody could have done for me during this time was actually something that my business coach did for me. I reached out to her, I think, either the day of or the day after getting that positive pregnancy test and I told her straight up, I am scared out of my mind and I need somebody to talk me down from the ledge right now. I just, I just, I need somebody to talk me down. And she proceeded to respond with the declarations and the thoughts and the beliefs that I needed most, but didn't feel capable of thinking or declaring for myself. Thoughts like, you are not the same mom you were two years ago. And this is not the same pregnancy as your last one. Thoughts like, You get to grow this baby and grow your business at the same time. That's a beautiful thing. Thoughts like, this may be exactly what you need to be experiencing in order to serve women to a whole new level. Now, I needed to hear those things. And more importantly, I needed to allow myself to believe them and to replace the lies that I was telling myself with them. And so after I spent a week or two grieving and mourning, I sat down and began declaring these things over myself. And every time I did, it was like the weight of anxiety and fear and depression just slowly lifted until I was able to feel confident and free again. And I'm wondering if you were to take an inventory of the thoughts you've been having and giving weight to these past few weeks, how many of those thoughts are actually serving you and how many are just hurting you? And I think one of the best ways to determine whether you have more serving thoughts than hurting thoughts is to take a look at the fruit in your life. Because if your thoughts are really serving you, if they are life-giving thoughts, if they are confident thoughts, thoughts of peace and joy, you will see it come out in your behavior. You will have more patience with your children. You will communicate better with your husband. You'll prioritize the things that matter to you and you won't give in so easily to unhealthy coping mechanisms. But if your thoughts are hurting you, you'll also know right away because you'll be carrying around the weight of guilt or insecurity 
or apathy. You'll be lashing out more over the tiniest, littlest things. You won't be meeting your goals. You won't be taking care of yourself. You'll maybe be spending a lot of time trying to escape your life through Netflix or social media or just busyness. If you don't have a system already in place for taking your thoughts captive, like speaking declarations over yourself on a daily basis, now is the time to start. Especially because during this time of grief and crisis, we will be tempted over and over again to perceive our feelings as fact. And it is of the utmost importance that we know how to differentiate the two. You know, I had an interesting moment of conflict with Grant. That's a much better way to describe a fight, right? We had this interesting moment about a week or so ago where he criticized me for spending three hours watching Gossip Girl one morning while the girls were playing. And even though I had no qualms about that decision in the moment whatsoever, I suddenly felt super attacked and insecure. Like, whoa, maybe I am a terrible mom. Maybe that was a super bad thing. And I started feeling really upset with myself and feeling guilty and also starting to feel self-conscious because I knew that a lot of other moms were spending their morning homeschooling their kids or coming up with fun activities to do with their toddlers. And meanwhile, I'm just letting them do whatever they feel like doing while I'm laid out on the couch binge watching Gossip Girl. But after some reflection, I realized that I had taken on my husband's belief and perceptions and allowed those things to influence my emotions and my feelings and I was now accepting those feelings as fact even though they were far from it. I'm a bad mom or this is a terrible thing, those those are not facts. The facts are my kids played happily together during that time and they did not seem at all to be bothered by me laying on the couch watching TV. The facts are I am immensely more tired than usual in the morning for reasons that are outside of my control, like the fact that there's a baby growing inside of me. The facts are that this just happened for one day and even if it were to happen again, it's not the same as a permanent indefinite arrangement. And furthermore, lastly, my kids are three and two. They have at least 15 more years of education ahead of them. So choosing to watch Gossip Girl instead of homeschooling or choosing to let them independ independently play instead of sitting on the floor being hands-on with them on this particular morning, that does not dictate how they're going to turn out or what their future will be. Now, these are the facts and see how different they are from my feelings or really from my husband's feelings and his perceptions and his beliefs. Separating fact from feeling is what allows us the ability to move forward with confidence when anxious thoughts or even lies enter our brain. Separating fact from feeling is also what enables us to offer ourselves grace instead of be ruled by guilt or shame. And I'm wondering how many situations you have faced in these past couple of weeks in which you could have benefited from separating fact from feeling. I know that a lot of us are dealing with financial pressure and financial anxiety at the moment, but the same rules still apply. Feelings are not fact. And sometimes it helps to sit down and to write down the facts that you do know, like maybe the fact that you have savings or that you have skills that can translate into finding a job if you might need one. Even the fact that you could possibly collect unemployment or apply for government assistance, that fact can help alleviate some of the anxiety and fear surrounding this time of financial uncertainty. Now, I know that this might seem a little bit off topic, but when I talk with women who tell me that they are desperate to break free from their anxiety, they're desperate to be less angry with their kids and improve their marriage, I can usually tell whether they're letting their life be ruled by feelings or by fact. 
because the woman who is ruled by feelings usually doesn't make the investment. And I don't just mean investment in my program, but the investment into anything for her emotional wellness, whether it's counseling, mentoring, you name it. They know that they have a huge need that they can't meet on their own, but their feelings about their worth or their circumstances or about their money are what stop them. And I'm wondering how many of you listening today are letting your pursuit of your emotional wellness be dictated by feeling instead of fact. During this time of grief or crisis, we don't just need financial stability or sense of security. We actually need a way to process and move through the grief and crisis in a way that enables us to be healthy and happy and thriving. And some of you maybe have forgotten that those things matter, that your emotional wellness matters. You are feeling like you're trapped with no way out. You're spiraling deeper and deeper into hopelessness and anxiety and frustration. You're, you're lashing out in the same ways. You're fighting the same fights in your marriage. And instead of being empowered to go do something about it, to go take care of yourself and get more of that emotional health and support, you are being driven by your feelings. And it's not pretty. One of the ways I'm striving to serve you ladies is to keep pushing you out of your comfort zone in a way that I myself have have needed to be pushed so many times before. I want to empower you in a way that you might most need right now, including empowering you to pursue a consistent source of support during this time of uncertainty. Now, you might have considered enrolling in my mom-empowered coaching program before, but for whatever reason, you still haven't taken the leap. And so now my question for you with all things considering the times we're facing, the grief or the struggle that I know you might be experiencing, my question for you now is why not now? I love that so many of my clients tell me that they have seen quick results after just a few months or even just a few sessions with me and that they've been able to find freedom from their anxiety and their anger or their overwhelm in ways that they haven't experienced before. The beautiful thing about this though is that the same opportunity for this level of growth and transformation is available to you too. And maybe even more so because of how these high stress times that we're facing are revealing so many needs and areas for improvement that we might not have even realized we had. Now, I said earlier in this episode that I believe every single one of you has the power and opportunity to not be a victim and to instead stand on the promises of God during this time and receive what he is offering, his peace, his joy, his freedom. I would consider it a huge honor to be your coach or your guide, if you will, on this journey. So right now I'm offering free 30 to 45 minute empowerment calls for moms who are wanting to talk about what it might look like to take a next step toward freedom. If you are ready to break free from your anxiety and experience more confidence or are wanting to overcome your struggles in your marriage or your anger as a mom, I'm inviting you to apply for this free call. And you can do so by either clicking the link in the show notes or going to soulcarefortheneumom.com forward slash coaching. But either way, my hope for you today is that while you're allowing yourself the time and the space to grieve, you're also allowing yourself the time and space to consider what it might look like to move forward. I hope that you're taking those small, decisive steps toward your self-care and emotional wellness, that you're giving yourself the chance to distinguish feeling from fact, and that you're reaching out for help if needed because you're willing to believe that God has so much more planned for you, more confidence, more abundance, more health and joy than where you're currently at. 
I am rooting for you, my friend. We will get through this time. I know we will. But how amazing would it be if we were each able to come out of it even more confident and more full of joy and more like the women God has called us to be? <laughs>